Surely you can't be serious. I am serious. And don't call me Shirley. Good morning, Vietnam! You are great. I'm not bad. I'm just drawn that way. I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. And I'm all out of bubblegum. Life moves pretty fast. You don't stop and look around once in a while. You could miss it. My calculations are correct. When this baby hits 88 miles per hour, you're gonna see some serious... You're listening to the 30-something movie podcast. Classic movies, 30 years in the making. Yeah, we're back again. It's a 30-something movie podcast. Um, hey, everybody. I hope you're doing well. Hope you're all having a good morning. Uh, should I do the Truman Show thing? Uh, good afternoon, good evening, and good night. Um, depending on what time you're listening to this, we we'll hope you're having a good morning, a good uh, middle of your day, a good jog, a good... Maybe you're mowing your lawn, uh, much like Val Kilmer does when he listens to our show. Uh, hey, Val. How's it going? Um, yeah, so, so wherever you are, hope you're having a really good day. We're having a good day, and we're going to have an even better day because we're going to talk about movies, and movies are some of the things that we love, so we're glad that you're here along with us for that ride. I got a couple things real quick before we get started. As we do with every episode, we just want to lay out the spoiler alert and say, hey there, we talk movies, and we're going to spoil the movies, we're going to talk all about them, we're going to you know spoil the ending to the whole thing, so if you don't want to be spoiled for the movies that we're talking about, um, then just feel free to go stop and go listen to or go watch the movies, and then come on back once you've had a chance to watch them. This time around, we are actually going to do both of the movies that we would have done for the next couple of weeks. We've had to do some rearranging of things, and with uh, us all being teachers and starting our school schedules, We've had to rearrange a few things here and there. So we're going to do two movies this time around. Uh, we're going to be talking both The Accidental Tourist and Dangerous Liaisons. So those are our two movies for this episode. Uh, we had a Christopher Robin episode that we just did with Teresa Delgado from the Disney Vault Talk. And that was last week, so I hope you enjoyed that one. If you didn't listen to it, uh, go back and listen to it. We had a great time talking with her. Jeff and I were on talking with her. Um, Disney Vault Talk's a great podcast. If you are into all things Disney, uh, my friend Steve and uh, Teresa, they are the ones hosting that. And so go check their podcast out, Disney Vault Talk. Uh, they run through the entire catalog of the uh, Disney movies. So we just had a great time talking with her and uh, hope to have her back maybe the next time we do one of our Disney movies, maybe next year when we get to Little Mermaid, because uh, that's a 1989 movie. So maybe we'll have her back for that one as well. So, uh, yeah, spoiler alert, spoiler alert. So if you don't want to don't want to be spoiled for these movies, then take a break. Go watch some movies. Come on back. Uh, leave us a review on iTunes. Um, we have had, I think at this point, we, we don't have a, a ton of reviews on iTunes, but the ones we do have are all five stars. So that is just awesome to hear that people who are listening to the show are enjoying the show. If you are enjoying the show, if you could, please just take, it probably takes no more than like 30 seconds, maybe 60 seconds to just uh, type out a review there for us. If you're enjoying the show, we would really appreciate it. If you run over to iTunes or any one of the other places that you get your podcasts, iTunes is always just kind of the big one that uh, a lot of people use as kind of their measurement for how podcasts are doing. But um, yeah, if you're enjoying the show, please feel free to leave us a review. If there's anything in any way you want to interact with us, and leave suggestions, anything like that, 
please feel free to. Uh, the best way to do that is to get in touch with us through our website, 30podcast.com. So 30podcast.com. Once you go to our website, you'll find all the different ways to get in touch with us. We've got our voicemail line. We are very active on Twitter. We have an Instagram account, Facebook, um, and I'm, I'm going back and forth on the idea of whether or not the Facebook page that we currently have, if it would do any good to turn it into a group. So if you're listening and you are interested in more of a conversation piece around these movies, I know the page is more of just a way to um, post up some announcements and share news articles and things like that. So um, if we change it into a group or if we add the group feature to it, uh, there's a bit more of a conversation piece and it becomes a bit more of a community. So if that's something that sounds interesting to you, then please let me know. Um, if it's not interesting to anybody, then I won't take the time to do it because all of us guys here have pretty busy lives and busy jobs. So um, just let me know if anybody's listening and they're thinking that they would enjoy having a an online community where they can come in and talk about all the things they love about movies from the 80s and very soon in the next year or so to be movies of the 90s. Um, we can do that as well through our Facebook account. But all those different ways that you can get in touch with us. Um, if you want to send us some feedback, if you want to uh, have your voice heard on the show, if you want to tell us about some movies that you love that maybe we've talked about or haven't talked about yet, um, feel free. We've got the voicemail line that you can call into. So those are just all some different ways you can get in touch with us um, here on the show and, and interact with uh, myself and, and with the other guys. So um, let's see. I think that's everything. I think that's my whole little spiel for the beginning here. Um, do I have a pat lurking around here somewhere? You have a pat lurking we, around. We have a pat. Is that as intimidating as we have a Hulk? No, I don't think okay. so. And, and, and now there's a cave troll. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they have a cave troll. Um, what is yeah, so, so Pat, I'm glad you're here. Oh, well, thanks, man. I'm glad to be here. Yeah. What did uh, We're quoting movies. What did Dominic say the other day? He's like, Dad, I came up with this new game. And, I said, and my son is nine years old. And I said, yeah. what's that, Dominic? He goes, the new game is we have to like talk in movie. And I'm like, what do you mean talk in movie? Where I like say a line from a movie, like, and he just, we just watched Jurassic Park for the first time. And so he's over the moon for Jurassic Park. Oh, yeah. He's just like, like. Shooter, shooter. You know when the Velociraptor is eating uh -huh. at the beginning, or drive faster, bus drive. Fa you know he's mm -hmm. like, you just have a whole conversation just saying things from a movie. And I said, that's a really fun game. And let me tell you, Dominic, Dad's friends and I—that's just <laughs> like how we talk. And so, anyways, but he—he he had this like I was just so proud of him because he just had this idea of I think everything can relate back to a movie quote. Uh -huh. So we had a good laugh at that. And and it kind of can, you know, as, as soon as you were saying that, I'm like, I think I know where this is going. Exactly. And, and the voice I heard in my head was, um, was a uh, doc holiday from mm -hmm. tombstone. Right. It was a slightly different quote. It wasn't his quote is there's no normal life, Wyatt. There's just life. Yeah. And, and when you said, yeah, we could play this game where we talk in movies and it's a game. And the voice in my head is is Val Kilmer as Doc Holliday going, that's not a game, son. That's just life. That's just life, exactly. Yeah, I know. Well, that's I awesome. Know. Yeah, yeah, we we tend to we we're a bunch of big old nerds here at my house too, and we tend to do that every once in a while where we're uh, most of our conversation and and uh, dialogue back and forth with each other tends to be uh, movie quotes and things like that. So cool, cool. Well, and, and Jurassic you. Jurassic Park has a lot of good ones too. So yeah, what there a are, Many, many times, many times where I think I've told Nora, clever girl. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Oh, man. Oh, that's awesome. 
Well, um, we've got we got two movies to take a look <laughs> at this time, and we got some uh, we got some rapid fire news stuff. I think I've got maybe like four movie news things. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know if you have anything at all, but we can throw those in there too. But I'm thinking we're just going to do these kind of rapid fire, maybe just a couple minutes for each one. Um, some of them, it's more of just a let's just say what we read in the news today. There doesn't necessarily need to be a whole lot of commentary on it, but um, we'll try to do these real quick so we can get on into our movies. Okay, first one. First one, I know if you haven't seen it, I know this this affects you because you enjoy these movies. Um, The director that a lot of people were really excited about for the new James Bond movie, which right now they're just calling Bond 25. Yeah. The fifth or 25th James Bond movie. Um, He is out. He is not going to be the director anymore. Okay. He was the director of oh a lot of different movies. Uh, he did Train Spotting. He did Twenty Eight Days Later. He did Slumdog Millionaire. He did the that Hundred and Twenty Seven Hours. Um, gosh, what else has he done? Um, uh, Millions. I don't know if you've ever seen that one. That was a good one. Uh, yeah, but that's, so he's done a lot of different movies. He was the one that was meant to be the director for the new James Bond movie. And I think a lot of people were excited about that. They were looking forward to, I mean, if he's, he's a slightly different director, I don't really think he's done a lot of action movies. Um, so I think people were just kind of excited about the idea of what could he bring to James Bond and people knew that it was going to be Daniel Craig's last James Bond movie. He's already said this is the last one he's doing. And I think people were kind of excited for how are they going to finish out this iteration of James Bond, this era of James Bond. Uh, And they were excited for the director. They were excited for what might be happening. The fact that it's the 25th uh, James Bond movie and now citing creative differences um, is the reason he's out. So they are now movies supposed to come out next year, but now they are in the middle of looking for a new director. So. All right. Yeah. They, um, one of the things they were talking about, I guess he, when he came in as director, uh, I think what I was reading earlier was he wrote his own script for the movie. I think they had one that they were planning on using and he said, yeah, okay, that's great. I'd like to write my own though. And he wrote the script. So I'm not sure if he wrote the script and if all that was approved, I'm not really sure what the creative differences would have been because it sounded like they were giving him a lot of creative freedom. Okay. So I don't know. I might, the only speculation I'd have is maybe he wanted to do something with the James Bond character that the producers ultimately said, Nope. Um, but other than that, I don't, obviously we don't know why other than they just say creative differences, but yeah. So hopefully that, I think at this point we've had so many movies that have done that where they've switched directors partway through that it's, it doesn't really spell doom and gloom for the movie, but it's just kind of, Sometimes you worry when you're excited for a particular movie and you, there's this, you know, really good director they've got and all of a sudden, eh, it's, it, yeah, things have changed. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, I, I suppose if I, if it had been like a director that had directed all of the Daniel Craig ones, then you might, then that might get me a little bit like, Ugh. but you know, how many times have we seen it where movies have done that or, you know, Rogue One had how many different hours of reshoots and right. what have you. And it all came out like, yeah, they made a pretty good movie and well, a pretty good movie. They make a great movie. It yeah. all worked. They had to make some changes and you know, that's just what it, but yeah. All right. Well, so that's the bond one. All right. Um, and if anybody wants to read more on that, it's pretty much everywhere right now on the day that we're recording this. Um, 
And okay, my next, my second one actually does relate to the day that we're recording this. So this is, you know, pull back the curtain a little bit. People will know that we recorded this one a little bit ahead of time. Um, but the movie Blade turns 20 years old on today's date. So today is August 21st. And Blade, the movie with Wesley Snipes and Chris Christopherson, came out on August 21st, 1998. So Blade is now 20 years old. Have you ever seen the Blade movies? Oh, yes. Yeah. Yes. And that was... 1998 was 20 years ago? Yeah. John, how old are we? <laughs> you feel a little old now? Well, no, I, I don't know how. I'm only 25, so yeah. I don't understand, like, what, you know. Okay. I saw that movie when I was a baby. I did. I <laughs> That movie came out before. All right. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. 20 years. Yeah, well, and yes, I am a fan of the Blade movie. Yeah. So I, the funny thing to think about with that movie is before that, that really is when you kind of think about it, that's really the first Marvel movie because, because Blade is a Marvel comics character. Okay. And really, and I know Dennis loves this one, but the only other like really true Marvel motion picture Here that came out before Blade was Howard yeah. the Duck. Oh. Yeah, Dennis's favorite, Howard the Duck. Yeah. Um, that was the first one. That was in 1986. And then it took them a while. They had to recover for two de uh, for a decade or so. And uh, so 1998, they brought out Blade. And then we had the Blade trilogy of movies. Um, and that was before we had the Marvel Cinematic Universe and, and all the superhero stuff we have now. So it took them from it took them 10 years after that, from 1998 to about 2008 when we got Iron Man. Uh, and the Dark Knight movie and, and all that other stuff uh, to really kind of jumpstart things and get them going. But this one was kind of one of the first, it, and it was one of the first really good Marvel movies. Yeah. Um, they did have, now technically they did have a Punisher movie, and I think we're looking at that one next year, um, but it didn't do very well either. So you're, you're still looking at it kind of a decade from Howard the Duck and Punisher to Blade. Wow. Well, cool. But yeah, no, I, I really enjoy the Blade movies. In fact, I was I was looking the other day. I got the Blade movies, I think, I don't think it was this Christmas. It might have been last Christmas on Blu-ray. It's it's the entire trilogy mm -hmm. on Blu-ray. And I just have not had a chance to sit down and watch them. But I, I, I don't think, I don't think I have any problems with any of those three movies. Because I, I know some people, they love the first one. The second one, they're like, eh. And then the third one, they're like, eh. It was just weird. Um, but I like all three of them. I, I have no problems at all with those movies. Blade, I think, was a movie. It was I think Blade might have been the first DVD I ever bought. Okay. When I bought my first DVD player, I think Blade. I, I think my first DVD was Blade. And I think after that, oh, man. I think my second DVD after that was... Um, the movie snatch with uh, Brad Pitt. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But blade was, blade was my first one. I think blade was my first DVD I ever bought. And I used to just put that thing on, you know, if I wanted to just have something on in the background, it, it probably, and I don't remember if I mentioned this one, it probably could have been on my, my comfort movies or my anytime movies um, okay. list from our, our 200th episode. But yeah, no, I, I used to watch that thing nonstop. Yeah. I, I really enjoy watching it. Um, Great fight scenes, cool car. The second one, cool motorcycles. I don't remember the third one. Come to think of it, I, maybe I've never even seen the third one. But uh, third one is he's he's got kind of a team of uh, vampire hunters with him, and they are fighting Dracula. Like the vampires actually resurrect actual Dracula. 
Um, and Dracula is, and I forget the premise of the movie, but Dracula is going to do something that allows him to, you know, be back to full power and immortal forever and, and all this stuff. And his, the team that he's got with him is, uh, Jessica Beale. She's been in some other movies, but she was, she kind of started off on that TV show, seventh heaven. Mm -hmm. And then, uh, Ryan Reynolds, like before Ryan Reynolds got bigger, um, Ryan Reynolds was in that one as, uh, as one of the other characters. Played, uh, who played uh, uh, Dracula? Uh, you know what? I'm, I do not remember the actor's name. Um, he is... Do you watch um, DC's Legends of Tomorrow? No, but I've seen it when I've got to watch the four-part crossover. Episode. Yeah, like in the Flash TV show, um, he is the guy that plays... Um, oh, which it's... Um, I always forget which heat um, name they give him. He's the one that has the fire gun. Uh, Dominic Purcell is the guy's name. He was in that TV show. I think he was in that TV show, Prison Break. Um, he is in, he's been in Legends of Tomorrow. Heat Wave is what they call him. Uh, Mick Rory is his character's name. Is he the guy that's kind of like... He's the guy that always talks like this and he, you know, he hates the cops and he was like really good friends with Captain Cold and okay, okay, like that guy. And he he's a big dude. Yeah, big guy. Okay, is he a big guy as Dracula? Uh, yeah. Wow, I'll have to. And he always kind of says some of the. I in fact, when I watched the DC Legends of Tomorrow episode, I kind of thought of okay, well, this is their riff on uh, the big blue guy from Guardians of the Galaxy. He's just a big guy that. Oh yeah, yeah. Up and, he seems unaffected by things around. Is that I, okay? I got the guy. Yeah, yeah. Ah, so cool. it's that it's that actor. He's the one that plays Dracula. Cool. I'll have to check that out. Well, I think they call him. I think he refers to himself as Drake in the movie, but he's I think he's supposed to be Dracula. All right. Cool. So, yeah. If you, I know you don't you don't have a uh, Blu-ray player, do you? I don't. No. Okay. Because I think mine are only Blu-rays. Otherwise, I'd let you borrow it. Yeah. No, that's fine. Yeah. I'm. Yeah. yeah. Oh, cool. Well, yeah. yeah. Blade, Blade is good stuff. Yeah, I want to keep the rapid fire, but Blade is yeah, good. yeah. Um, okay, really quick, uh, Ewan McGregor, and and this one you haven't seen Christopher Robin yet, right? I haven't. I okay. haven't. So uh, have heard our episode that came out a week ago. Yeah. Okay. Um, so Ewan McGregor, I guess there was a news thing that came out today that Ewan McGregor said he is absolutely open to doing a Christopher Robin two. Oh. Now, when I saw that, I'm like, part of me is like, oh, that's awesome, because that was a really good movie. And more movies like that, absolutely, let, let's do more movies like that. But then another part of me was like, well, but does it need a sequel? Okay. I mean, it's one of those things where they did an amazing job with the the animation of, of really making Winnie the Pooh and the other characters look like they blended in with the with the physical world, and that it was... You know, it, it really looked like these little uh, animal toys walking around. And it was it was believable. The story was great. The, the acting was great. Everything about the movie was great. And I look at that, and that's one of those that I'm, I'm, I'm a little torn because part of me is like, yes, absolutely, let's do another one of these movies. But the other part of me is like, well, can we just keep this one special and maybe don't do a sequel? Yeah. Like, not, not everything. I know we've said this before, too. Not everything needs a sequel. Mm-hmm. So, and I don't know, you know, he, he says he's open to doing another Christopher Robin movie because he really enjoyed doing it. But the sad thing about it is that movie has not been making its money back. So 
Um, it is not done well in the box office. So yeah, I think it's going to be fine in terms of making back the money that they spent to make it. I don't think it's going to make a huge profit or maybe any profit. Um, but I don't think they would even talk about a sequel if it doesn't make more money. Right. So. Right. And maybe, like you said, just leave well enough alone. I mean, I'll, I'll, right. there's no Great Escape 2. You know, right. there's no Bullet 2. There's no Magnificent. Well, maybe they did a. I don't know. Maybe I, not that I know of. I don't. My point is, is that Magnificent Eight. Yeah, I don't think there's a Magnificent Eight. I, no, I don't, I don't think so. Um, we'll have to ask Jeff tomorrow because he'd know. Anyways, my point is, it's like now we're in the time of everything's a sequel. Right. I mean, you just can expect when is the next one come out. I mean, it used to be you'd make a movie and the movie would just stand on its own two feet and that was that. And you always right. wanted more, so you'd go back and rewatch the movie. Now, I haven't seen Christopher Robin, but I get what you're saying, where it's like, if it's just that great of a, let's, I'll just rewatch that one a whole bunch. You yeah. Know? So. Yeah, I mean, I was I was a little disappointed, like with with High, um, was it High Twelve Thirty, the sequel to High Noon, where Gary Cooper came back? Okay, I'm what just kidding. Was there was okay. no such thing. Yeah, I'm sorry, and I just took a <laughs> no, no, no. All right. <laughs> now, well, although I do believe I did look it up at one point because I, I I make that joke, but I looked it up just now. Um, they did make a High Noon Part Two. Oh, okay. It was a TV movie from 1980. All right. So, okay, I, I was using that as a joke, thinking, yeah, they wouldn't have made a sequel to that, but they did. Don't put it past them. Mm, no. All right, uh, and the last of our rapid-fire new movie news stuff is Star Wars Resistance. Did you get a chance to watch the Star Wars Resistance trailer? I have watched the Star Wars Resistance trailer. You have watched it. How do you feel about it? Cool. It it looks like a kid's cartoon. Mm -hmm. That's not a diss. I mean, I'm yeah. not trying to slam it like that, but... Um, you know, I knew nothing about it until you said, hey, have you seen that? You go check it out. And I went and checked it out. And yeah, it looks cool. And it's, um, you know, it looks like this is how the resistance got started. Maybe they'll fill mm -hmm. in that a little bit. And it looks like it's focused on the pilot, which is kind yeah. of cool. Is one of them supposed to be, uh, uh, I forget his name, but one of the leads in the new trilogy? Uh, Poe Dameron? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So BB-8, uh, Poe Dameron. It looks like either Poe Dameron's involved somehow, or he's leading this group, or I don't know what. Um, and then I think there was a news thing that came out today that said the character of General Leia will also, obviously, Carrie Fisher's not going to do the voice, but that her character will play kind of a big role in the cartoon too. So cool. We'll have some have some familiar faces in there. Cool. But yeah, I thought I thought it looked cool. I, some people were complaining about the animation style that it's too different from Clone Wars and Rebels. Um, they were complaining about that part. They were complaining about uh, what else were they complaining about? Um, oh, that the guy who has done Clone Wars and Rebels, uh, his name is Dave Filoni, mm -hmm. and he was really kind of a Oh, he was kind of an apprentice of George Lucas. He worked with George Lucas pretty closely. And so I think George Lucas had a lot of input on the Clone Wars. And so people feel like Star Wars animation is pretty safe with Dave Filoni, that, that he has a good sense of, of what it should be. And, and people really like pretty much everything he's ever done. Um, he's not as much involved in this one because he's working on the kind of the finishing off of Clone Wars. Okay. So some people were a little hesitant about that too. They're like, "Oh, well, he's not involved. We'll forget it. It's not going to be any good." 
Like, you know, there are other good directors out there. There's not just one. Yeah. So I, there was a lot of, when, when the news came out about this, when the trailer came out a few days ago, um, there was just a lot of negativity as usual, a lot of negativity, a lot of people complaining. And I watched it and I just thought, you know what? My kids are going to love it. I'm going to watch it. So yeah, more Star Wars, more better. And if, if you don't like it, just don't watch it. Don't watch it. There's plenty. That's that's why that's why God invented DVDs. Yeah. So you can go back and you can go watch the things that you love. And if you don't love the new things, then don't watch them. Yeah, yeah, I know. You have we have more choices than ever to be able to watch whatever we want to watch whenever we want to watch it. So yeah, yeah, yeah. looks cool. Yeah, interesting. Yeah. All right. Well, that's it for our new movie news. Uh, very, very quickly, I did want to jump over to uh, some Twitter news real fast. Um, we have uh, Jason Colvin. So our, our friend on Twitter, Jason Colvin, who has been following the show, he kind of just found us a little while ago, has been listening to the show, and, and he's the one that, that always says he appreciates it, that we keep things uh, as family-friendly as we can so that uh, he can listen in the car with his kids and, and just not have to worry about where he's listening to it. Um, hey, seriously, man, thanks for checking it out. You know, Yeah. We're having a lot of fun with it, so cool. Yeah, he actually, he just wrote, uh, I think it was maybe yesterday, uh, or maybe even earlier today, and uh, he's uh, at jcolvin24 on Twitter, and he wrote us and said, love the latest podcast. I think he was listening to our 200th uh, podcast. Um, Jason, we apologize for the Tequila Sunrise podcast. was the podcast bad, or was it just that that movie was that bad? No, the movie is bad. I, I'm I'm not apologizing for the podcast. I think we okay. we did the best we could, but we tried to talk about other stuff. Right, right. <laughs> I feel like Tequila Sunrise is the Thor: The Dark World of our trilogy. Yeah, I I don't I I mean quite literally, I think it was the dark world. Yeah, it was yeah. a very dark world, and there there wasn't enough tequila to save it. No. And, you know, and I even listened when you put the trailer in, I was listening. To, I was getting annoyed listening, like listening to the trailer. I was just like, what? I Yeah. OK. Anyways. Yeah. So, so Jason wrote us on Twitter and he said, love the latest episodes. Uh, he said, I came up with five of my 80s comfort movies that haven't been covered or mentioned any time on your podcast, to his knowledge. Okay. Um, so he gave us his list of five uh, 80s comfort movies and they are as follows. And you can you can say whether or not you've seen these um i have only seen hmm i've only seen three of them of okay. his five and i've only and and two of those three i've seen recently one it's been a long time since i've seen it but and then the other two i've not seen at all so i'm movies to go on or must watch with yeah yeah so I, i'm actually taking you know whenever we have people send us stuff and say hey you should watch this one or this is a great one i i've been keeping like a watch list of okay now i've got a now that people are recommending this, I got to go watch it. Um, so his five movies were, uh, and I don't think that these, I don't know if these are necessarily in order, but uh, number one, Secret Admirer from 1985. Number two, Stakeout from 1987. Oh, Stakeout. Yes. Which, which Bo was shocked when I said I had never seen that movie. So that is, that is up towards the top of my watch list. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Stakeout's a good one. Good call. Uh, number three, Fright Night from 1985. Oh, yeah, Fright Night. Uh, number four, Blind Date from 1987. Okay, yeah. And number five, Better Off Dead from 1985. Better Off Dead. Yes, I yeah. remember that. Is that one of the ones you've seen or not? Oh, I've seen that one, yeah. 
Oh yeah. Yeah, the ones I've the ones I've seen, I've seen Fright Night, I've seen Better Off Dead, and a very long time ago I've seen Blind Date. Blind Date um is the one, if I remember right, it's the one with Bruce Willis. Yes. And it's like he goes on a blind date, but everything goes totally wrong. Yes. Okay, yeah. I'm remembering that now. Yeah. Yeah, I'm kind of the same. There's there, my watch list just got, you know, three or four deep. Well, five deep because of, there's a the, the ones I've seen I gotta see again. Right. Those are excellent, excellent. Right. Yeah. So so New movies to go check out now that I, you know, and especially Stakeout. Now, now this is like three or four people that have told me, oh, Stakeout, you got to go see that one. That's, oh, that's great. Yeah, so, Stakeout's great. All right. So Stakeout, Stakeout's moving up towards the top of my list. So Cool. All right. Okay. Should we jump on into our movies? Uh, I thought we were done for the night. I did, Are we done I, for the night? <laughs> I, you... I was just going to say, thanks, everybody. Go watch some good movies. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, everybody. Hello, nurse. Good night, everybody. Um. <laughs> Yeah. Yes, well, we've we've got a couple of movies. I don't really think we're going to spend a huge amount of time talking about them. No. Just something tells me? No. no okay. No. All right. Um, so, and I'm trying to decide what to call this episode, if we're blending the two of them together. Do I call this episode the um, Dangerous Tourists, or do I call it the Accidental Liaisons? Because uh, I feel like either one could work. Either one could work. Okay. You think about it. You can tell me later if you think one works better than the other. Yeah, and these movies, these movies have received critical acclaim, correct? These movies are critically acclaimed. They won awards. Um, at least the awards shows loved them. Yeah. I've got a thought on when they use the term critical acclaim. I'm, I bet you do. What that might mean for me now. Like yeah. the way I And it's kind of like my daughter, this summer we go swimming in the lake, right? Mm -hmm. And whenever we go... And I mean, the thing is, is that sometimes it's super hot and jumping in the lake feels great. And yeah. then sometimes it's just, you know, it's a windy day at the lake and you jump in and it might only be in the 70s and the lake might be a little cooler or whatnot. Or, you know, it's super hot. So the water feels, but you get in and you cold and you shiver. That's part of swimming in lakes and swimming in the ocean is you're, you're going to get cold. And you start shivering. And so we just, my daughter would be like, oh man, the water's cold. And so I think... There were so many adults just telling it's not cold, it's refreshing. So mm. now she's just taking whenever she hears that, she goes, Is the water gonna feel nice or is it gonna be refreshing? Because I don't <laughs> want to jump in if it, I don't want to jump in if it's refreshing. Uh -huh. And it's funny because now that term has that meaning for that refreshing is all the adults trying to convince her that no, it's not cold, it's just refreshing. Yeah, is is this a good movie or is it critically acclaimed? Exactly. That's <laughs> you know what, John? Actually that Especially after the Tequila Sunrise thing, it being critically acclaimed, I think that's what it's going to be. Is this a good movie? Yeah, or is it critically acclaimed. And well, and I don't think I don't think Tequila Sunrise was critically acclaimed. Okay. I think we threw that one in there as like a, you know, some people at the time really loved it, some people did not. Mm -hmm. Kind of a deal. So, but these two, these two are ones that were up for either like best picture or best screenplay or all that stuff. Yeah. So well, all I can say is this critical acclaim slash we liked it. Obviously, mm -hmm. actors feeling feeling the pinch because they've come up with a whole new category of awards. Well, I know. I, yeah. So the, the, the so. popular movie award. Yeah. All right. Okay. That was my so, thought. Okay. All right. Um, hey, and you know what? You have a good night. We'll uh, talk to you at the next movie. Oh, wait, yeah. No. There, there you go. Um, and you know what? Hey, everybody has the right to be wrong. So. Right. 
That's fine. All right. Yeah. So the first one up, uh, we'll go through, um, actually, we'll go through the, the accidental tourist first, and then we'll go back through and we'll do the uh, dangerous liaisons next. So um, this one is called The Accidental Tourist, came out the 23rd of December, 1988, rated PG with a runtime of two hours and one minute was directed by Lawrence Kasdan, who also did The Big Chill and Wyatt Earp, was produced by Michael Grillo, who did Deer Hunter, Ant-Man, and Captain America Winter Soldier, uh, also produced by Lawrence Kasdan, who produced The Bodyguard and Solo, A Star Wars Story, also produced by Charles Oaken, who died in 2005, who produced The Deer Hunter and French Kiss. Writers for this one, the book that this is based off of was written by Ann Tyler. She also wrote Breathing Lessons and Saint Maybe. Uh, Frank Galati did the screenplay. He did American Playhouse and The Party Animal. Lawrence Kasdan also did the screenplay. Uh, he wrote many amazing screenplays, including Empire Strikes Back, Raiders of the Lost Ark, Return of the Jedi, The Force Awakens, and Solo, A Star Wars Story, to name just a few. Uh, cinematography was done by John Bailey, who did My Blue Heaven and Groundhog Day. Music was done by this guy who I think records stuff occasionally, maybe composes stuff occasionally. Uh, John, John Williams. Did I say that right? I think I've, I think I've heard of that name somewhere. Have, have you heard of him, John? I think it's John. I don't know if it's, if it's like Swedish and it's Jahan or something like that, but it, John Williams, he's done basically everything. Um, Star Wars, including this movie, um, Star Wars, Indiana Jones, Hook, Jurassic Park, E.T., basically the soundtrack of our youth mm -hmm. and, and our entire lives is John Williams. Uh, budget for this one, I could not find anything for the budget. Box office was uh, $32.6 million domestic, so in the United States. I that doesn't really seem like they could have made too much of their money back, but I don't know what it costs to make the movie. So um, who knows? Who knows if it did well or not? Mm -hmm. Starring William Hurt, who played Macon. He was in Michael, Dark City, and Captain America Civil War. Kathleen Turner was Sarah. She was in Romancing the Stone and the War of the Roses. Gina Davis played Muriel. She was in The Fly and Thelma and Louise. Amy Wright was Rose. She was in The Deer Hunter and Breaking Away. David Ogden Steers, who died in 2018, played Porter. He was in the TV show MASH and Beauty and the Beast. Ed Begley Jr. played Charles. He was in Pineapple Express and A Mighty Wind. Bill Pullman played Julian. He was in Spaceballs and Independence Day. Uh, Robert High Gorman played Alexander. He was in Forever Young and Leprechaun. And Bradley Mott played Mr. Loomis. He was in Stranger Than Fiction and Inside Lewin Davis. The critics for this one, uh, Rotten Tomato critics score was an 80%. The audience score was a 60%. So audiences did not like it as much as the critics liked it. So there's your, you know, when you say critically acclaimed. Um, cinema score gave it a B. And again, cinema score is people leaving the theater uh, who are um, given a survey or a poll. Um, they gave it a B. So this is people that actually saw the movie leaving the theater, they gave it a B on a scale from A to F. And then there's one other score that I'm going to start adding in. I found a website that takes Rotten Tomatoes, uh, IMDB scores, Metacritic scores, if there is one. Uh, Letterboxd is that app that I use a lot to kind of keep track of our movies and, and share movie stuff with different people. Um, there's a website called Flick Metrics, and they kind of take all of those scores and average them together. Oh, okay. So I, I may just start including them um, as one of our scores, just to just to add something else in there. So Flick Metrics, um, and they give it an average score between all those others of a sixty-five. So when you average out Rotten Tomatoes, the Rotten Tomatoes audience score, um, Metacritic, if there is one, IMDb, 
all those, they give it a 65. Mm, okay. So awards for this one. Uh, it won the award. Uh, Best, Best Actress in a Supporting Role, Gina Davis, won her Oscar for this movie. It was nominated for Best Picture, Best Writing, Screenplay, uh, and Best Music, Original Score, John Williams. So I have a few things to say about that here in just a moment, but uh, here's a quick summary of the movie. After the murder of their young son, the marriage between Macon and his wife, Sarah, disintegrates and she moves out. After a freak accident puts him on crutches, Macon goes to stay with his quirky siblings at the family home, where he meets the spirited Muriel, a dog trainer with a young son of her own, with whom he begins a friendship. When Sarah learns about this, she attempts a reconciliation and Macon is forced to make a decision. Here's the trailer and we'll be back in just a moment. I'm sorry, I'm so fat. Name's Lucas Loomis. What do you do, Mr. Leary? I write travel guidebooks. Accidental tourist. Oh, yes. You're my hero. You know I love you, but I can't live with you anymore. I want a divorce, Megan. You think about it and give me a call, Muriel. Remember? Muriel Pritchett. Or just call for no reason. Call and talk. Talk? Sure. Don't you ever get the urge to do that? Not really. I'd like to know what you think you're up to with this Muriel person. Now, you kind of cluck your tongue. Is that what you call her, this Muriel person? Sometimes, the road of life takes a few unexpected turns. Do you picture us getting married sometime? Do you plan on staying with Muriel forever? But in the end... <coughs> oh, sorry. Life is no accident. Honestly, Megan, what's come over you? Used to be downright finicky. I don't think marriage ought to be as common as it is. Perfect couples could marry, maybe, but <laughs> who's a perfect couple? All right. Well, I don't have a whole lot of background on this one, but what I do have is while filming the movie The Fly uh, in 1986, Gene Davis was actually reading the novel on which this film was based. Um, in fact, she would read it to Jeff Goldblum while he was going through all the different hours of makeup uh, that he had to have applied to his body as the movie went on. If you haven't seen that movie, um, the hours and hours of makeup that he had to be in, she would actually read him this novel. Um, and then Jeff Goldblum actually himself also appeared in Lawrence Kasdan's earlier films, The Big Chill and Silverado from 1983 and 1985, respectively. So that's the only background I've got on this particular movie. Um, let's just start with, had you seen this before? Nope. Nope. Do you want to see it again? Uh, nope. Okay. Well, good night, everybody. <laughs> good night. Good night. What about you? Um, no, I had not seen it before. And... I will say just initial reaction is mm -hmm. I, I was very, very disappointed um, because when I looked at the description of this movie before watching it, I thought, you know, sometimes it doesn't always work out, but sometimes um, I like to try to watch these. If it's a kid's movie, we'll watch it with the whole family. If it's you know, uh, uh, an adult movie, more adult movie, you know, I'll watch it with my wife. Um, if it doesn't quite work out for that, then I'll just kind of watch it whenever I'm able to watch it. Right. And for this one, I looked at it and I was like, you know what? The, the combination of things going on in this movie sounds like something that together, my wife and I, it's the type of movie we would probably really enjoy. Mm -hmm. You know, the whole idea of the guy being a travel writer. We're like, oh, so in this movie, you've got a writer. Well, I'm an English teacher. She's a librarian. We love right. books. So 
Um, travel rider, that could be a lot of fun. Uh, so we're going to maybe see some travel in this movie too. If it's called the accidental tourist and he's a travel writer, we'd expect to see a little bit of travel to some different locations, maybe around the world. Um, we like Gina Davis. She's been in a lot of other movies that we've enjoyed. So I'm looking at this and I'm going, okay, there's, there's several things about this movie that I think would be really good. And mm -hmm. then we did not get a chance to watch it together. Um, I had to watch it. I had to watch it kind of quick before we were doing our show today. And so, um, yeah, so I'm watching the movie. I'm just like, you know what? No, Nope. <laughs> yeah. On, on paper. And in the, in the summary that I read, uh, before watching the movie, it really completely sounds like a type of movie that we would enjoy. Like, not that it would be like our top 10 movies of all time list, but at least it's something like, you know, it has the elements of a movie we typically enjoy. Right. I in watching this movie, those elements were not there. Right. Or at least they took the elements we enjoy and they did not use them wisely. Yeah. I, I completely agree with you because I started watching this and I was like, Oh my gosh, this thing's a snoozer. And you know, obviously it was, he lost his son and that's terrible. And, and you know, and so I just kind of like, I got a little sucked into it's like, Oh my gosh, how would I respond? You know, how would I react? But then it's like by the time you get to the end of the movie, it's, you're right. It's, it's, it was just disappointing. You know, there was an old saying when we were, you know, learning to uh, improvise in jazz band and in, in college and all that. And I think it's a, probably an old saying that dates back, you know, since the beginning of jazz and whatever. But it's like, if you can't say it in four measures, you can't say it. Yeah. Kind of the meaning being, you know, if, if you've got to play an improvised solo and you need 20 minutes to like work out your solo. Yeah, you, you, you're not saying anything. You're not doing anything. Right. If you if you you know, the guys that are really the masters that can play forever and all they can they can do all of that in four measures in a very short amount of time. So when I watch this movie, it like you said, the bare bones, it's, it's wow, what a great concept. That looks good. But it was like they spent two hours and it, it didn't really. They, they, they weren't saying anything. I mean, it was, you know, it, it had the potential to be a dramatic story. And I mean, yeah, you feel bad for the guy. And yeah, he's trying to work out this, that and the other thing. But it was just like after two hours, it was like I, my, my my needle really hasn't moved very much. I mean, it's I'm not totally caring about these characters. You, you get what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. I, there was something about this movie. Well, you know the the part about the losing the son. Um, it just didn't. It just didn't resonate with me. Like I, I was almost, I was, I was watching this, and at one point, I sat there and I thought, you know what? I feel like the same situation had more emotion, had maybe a, a better, I don't know, I, maybe I had a better connection to it, and and felt sorrier for the parents and the the dad and everybody, everybody involved when we're talking about the kid who died in Face Off. Okay. Like I got more of an emotional connection to the kid being dead in the face-off movie. Uh, um, uh, John Travolta's character's name. I'm blanking out on what his name was. Um, but him, you know, you start off that movie finding out that his son died and it was um, Pollux Troy's fault. It was, um, uh, oh man, why am I blanking out on everybody's names? Nicholas. Nicholas Cage. Yes. Thank you. Um, yeah, it's, I had more, I, I felt sorrier for that couple in that movie. And that's like a, a 
popcorn action movie. Right. That's not necessarily supposed to be an emotional drama. And, but in this movie, it just, it was the way the movie started off was almost, and, and I, and I get maybe if it was supposed to be like, they, they wanted you, they wanted to bring you into the depression. They wanted to bring you into the, like what that might feel like to feel detached and grieving and all that. But it just, the movie just started out so lifeless and dry. Yeah. There was, there was nothing that if I didn't have to watch this movie for a podcast, I wouldn't have finished it because it yeah. just, it just, there was nothing there to make me want to keep watching other than I will say the only thing that made me want to keep watching was that Corgi. Mm-hmm. Like the dog. My sister has a Corgi. So I'm watching, I'm going, Hey, I like this dog. The dog's entertaining, but I just don't, I don't know. I'm not necessarily a huge, I'm, I'm not, not a fan, but I don't know that I'm necessarily a huge fan of William Hurt. I think a lot of the movies that I've ever seen him in, um, he does come across as a very monotone is not the right word, mm-hmm. but I don't, and maybe I just haven't seen enough of his movies. I don't see him in movies as a very emotional person. Like he seems to be a, a much, very much a one note uh, person. And yet, for three movies before this, he either won awards or was nominated for awards for acting. And I just, and I know he's been in some really great stuff before, mm-hmm. but this movie just did not hook me at all. Um, I even, I, I mean, I was writing down some notes as I was watching it because I, I needed to do something to keep myself awake and paying attention. And I, the notes I wrote down, I just said, even for detached grieving parents, the dialogue between William Hurt and Kathleen Turner in the beginning of the movie between uh, Macon and his wife, Sarah, mm-hmm. it just, the acting itself just seemed so stunted and forced. Yeah. It just, it, yeah. It, it was all very awkward. And if that was the goal, then great. They, they reached their goal. But as a moviegoer, as somebody watching the movie, it didn't endear me to these characters at all. It didn't, I didn't feel like I was being brought in to share in their grief or share in their you know emotional pain or or any of the things that i might want from a movie like this Mm -hmm. like i i want to be brought into the movie i want to be i want to have you know that kind of a that kind of of a feeling where you empathize with the characters and what they're going through but i just there were times that i just i wanted to shake these people because it almost the the acting of it almost didn't even feel like they were acting grief-stricken Mm-hmm. It was almost just like, well, we have a movie to do, and we need to look depressed. Mm-hmm. So let's sit here, shall we? And let's look depressed. Right. And let's act depressed. And there it goes. Yeah. And th- th- that was the only feeling I got towards this movie. Right. Things started to get a little bit more interesting towards the middle. Like as Macon gets to know Muriel, when he meets her, when Gina Davis comes in, I'm like, oh, thank you. Good. I have seen her other movies. She's kind of a, you know, she, she tends to play kind of a quirky character sometimes. And I mean, and when you said that she got the award, the Oscar, I was like, she earned it. I don't know who else was up that year, but man, she earned it because she actually Mm -hmm. put a little life into the film. Well, and and there were times, there were times in the movie where even her stuff, like kind of when you first meet her, it was almost, I almost felt like it was a forced quirkiness. 
Mm-hmm. Like okay. some of her very first lines when she meets Macon uh, as a character when he's dropping off or he wants he wants to uh, board the dog and then he's going to drop off the dog. Some of her first lines in that first scene, it just seemed very much like they were almost like they were reading from the script. Um, and it just didn't. And, and that disappointed me right away because I'm like, oh, are you kidding? Of all the other movies that I've ever seen Gina Davis in or, or TV shows that I've seen her in. She always tends to be a really good actor, and I and I saw on the list. I'm like, she won the Oscar for this. So, really, what gives? Yeah, yeah. I mean, what? How did you win the Oscar for this? Then, as it went on, things got a little bit better. I don't think, and and it boggles my mind as to how they nominated the the writing um, for an award too, because then as the movie went on, I'm like, okay, I think early on some of my problems were with the acting. And now as it gets later on, it's more with the writing yeah, and the way the story is going. Because we, when he meets Muriel and he meets her son, Alexander, we see him start to, we see Macon start to open up a little bit. But then all of a sudden in the middle of the movie, and I had to back it up, which I was like, okay, no, I just want to get through this movie. I don't want to back it up and, and watch things again. I backed up a couple of times and I was like, okay, why now is Muriel getting very possessive and defensive and... You know, she's her character has has suddenly shifted into someone who's like, well, why don't I ever get what I want? I take care of you. Why don't you ever let me say what I want? And, and I'm sitting there going, where did this come from? Yeah, her character seemed to be so like almost happy going is not the right word, but but like that she could roll with things and that she was maybe a more of a free spirit and, and, you know, exactly what he needs and, and all that, which I, I have a little bit of a problem with that too, but I'm going to get to that later, but it just, it was reached a point where all of a sudden her character shifted into, you know, almost like a, an angry scorned lover. And I was like, yeah. where did that come from? Yeah. You know what? It's funny, John, I'm listening to you talk and honestly, I can't throw anything in with this because I don't, I, I'm like right in lockstep with everything you're saying. You're obviously saying it much more eloquently than I would, but I mean, it's, it's not even like, Oh, I get what you're saying. Now let me add my two cents in. Cause I said, no, like what you're describing is yeah, is exactly how I felt watching this movie. Yeah. I mean, to a T it just, it, it just, it did not do it. It did not work for whatever reason. And I feel bad saying it because there's, you know, people out there that worked hard on it, and boy, I'm, no one's asking me to act in anything or write anything, and boy, I, I shouldn't be judging it too harshly, I guess, but it was, uh, it was, uh, yeah, it was exactly as you described it. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah, I, and, and, and you know, as, as the movie went on, then you had, um, you know, he goes to Paris, and uh, Gina Davis's character, she shows up in Paris. She shows up on the plane as well, and so she's in Paris too. Well, then all of a sudden, he um, so his back goes out again when he's trying to move something, and yeah. so then all of a sudden, his wife shows up. So now you've got Muriel, you've got Macon, you've got Sarah, and they're all in Paris together. And I'm thinking, okay, well, this could be an interesting kind of a a, a little love triangle thing between the three of them. Let's see how this works out. And it ends up being a bunch of scenes of him lying in bed yeah, with his wife coming to talk to him. And it, then as you get closer to the end of the movie, he and his wife are having a, an argument at one point, you know, they, 
well, th this was at a different point. I think this was before that, but um, they were having an argument at one point and he, I think this is in Paris. He says, you know, I'm going back to Muriel. And then like a sentence or two later, he says something like, I've tried to make this work where he had tried to get back together with his wife. And I'm sitting there going, when, like, when did you try to make this work? I feel like you, you talked to her on the phone a bunch of times and then you guys slept together again. And I, I can't keep track of who you're supposed to be with. Um, but then he's like, well, I've tried to make this work. And I'm like, I, I didn't see any evidence of you trying to make either of these relationships work. Yeah. I, I didn't see you put any effort in. I, I, maybe when they were doing some of those camera shots of you just like staring and, and making a, a strained, concerned looking face, maybe you're thinking about trying to keep things together or trying to, you know, make a change or something like that. But I, as a viewer, didn't see that. Yeah, I, so. well, and that's the thing is the potential with this story and the maybe not in the way it was written, but the general outline of the story was all it was all right there. And if right. they had really delved into exploring him and seeing him work through this and yeah, the concept of, you know, you've got a son, I had a son, I'm not ready for that. And then it was like all of a sudden, yeah, he is ready for that. It didn't show any growth on his part it didn't show anything on him getting ready to that point you know this thing with uh where he's you know this little love triangle that ends up it doesn't show him like you said trying to work through this and trying to make this happen it doesn't show you know when he gets angry with his wife stop that you were always doing that you know you're telling me what i need more than you know you say, you know what i need better than i do or whatever that line was where he finally kind of you know, just told her to stop. And it, it, it brought his grievances with her to the front. But that just, again, came out of nowhere. It didn't build up. It didn't show that that was something that even annoyed him. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So it's it's just, they nothing. it was like, yeah, this, this is all good conceptual stuff, but show me how that fits together. Right. Well, and even you, you mentioned the word annoyed. His siblings, like that whole thing with his, with his brothers and his sister, just, it drove me nuts. Yeah, like I, I can see that maybe in the writing here, we're trying to go for this charming, quirky little family that is just super hyper organized and everything has to be planned, and we're a little OCD. And but it just, I, I had the same feeling I have when somebody makes me sit down and watch a Woody Allen movie. Okay, it's like I can't when when characters are, and and not that I have a problem with people who have these issues in real life, but when characters are too neurotic like that yeah and and it just like everything is is just it just has to be this way and it's you know well um you know our, our brother got lost you know he went somewhere down the street we think maybe he got lost well how would he get lost it's just down the street well he does that sometimes it's, it, it was just weird that whole dynamic and i that whole dynamic of him and his siblings being together and just how they were all almost like clones of each other mm -hmm. um which you saw in that one picture that was up on the wall, they all look like clones of each other in their little uniforms and everything else. Right. Um, it just, there wasn't anything charming about that. And I felt like they spent way too much time in that part of the story where he's with his right. siblings. The siblings were not interesting to me at all. Um, I don't know what purpose they served in the story other than to highlight, this is how he grew up, you know, not really able to show emotions, not really, you know, I, I, I don't know. Um, explore that. 
you know, like, then explore that. Explain to us why that, like, make the siblings be awkward and annoying and all that, but show why that's that and make right. that the focal point of the movie, you know, as, as opposed to just kind of going along and then they lived happily ever after, you know, delve into this guy's past. Don't worry about why he, you know, what he's doing now, but figure out why he is who he is now. Yeah. You know, I, I'm glad you said the word past because I want to ask you what kind of a rating you would give this movie. And then we're going to go to France. Okay. Actually, both of these movies ended up in France. So yeah, there's, there's the one thing that ties it all together. Um, that rug really tied the room together. Um, so this movie, if we were to give this movie, um, let's see, uh, my sister loves corgis. So let's do corgis. Um, if you were to give this movie a score out of five corgis, how much would you give it? Well, I'd be considered a, a sick jerk and get in trouble with uh, PETA if I say a half corgi. Uh, no, that would okay, be fine. Does that you... somehow imply that I chopped a corgi in half? <laughs> well, this is an what audio. What think of this? What'd you think of this movie? Well, I ended up chopping a corgi in half. <laughs> <laughs> I still don't feel much better. That's, so that's how I felt about the movie. I just won't tell my sister you said that. I well, and you know, I like dogs too. I feel yeah. bad the one had to be in this movie, but no, that's all right. um. It, the know, dog was the, the dog was the best thing about this movie. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. I don't know. I mean, the jerk of me wants to just say like zero or a half or whatever, but I, I it was really just, boy, I don't, one, one, because there's potential. I okay. mean, one, because this could, this could honestly, in my mind, this could be sort of like an ordinary people. Yeah. You remember that movie? Yeah. Like, I think this could be there. I, I, I think you had that. that I mean, uh, Gina Davis was great in it. I mean, you had people in it. I mean, all you needed was just a coherent story and kind of move it along and tell us, give us a focus. What are we focusing on? His right. past, his siblings, what he's doing now, how he's trying to, you know, be able to have a relationship with Gina Davis. Uh, write it so that there's a love triangle between him and his wife, and he's confused with what to do there. But, you know, just give us a focus. Shine the light somewhere. So, I don't know. If there was nothing there, I'd say probably zero or a half, but I'll give it one. Okay. Because, like I said, it. I think someone could pick this up, actually write a story, and it could be good. Well, I will be the bad guy and, and say that... I, I'm the bad guy to say I chopped a corgi in half. I gave it one and a half. Oh, okay. So the, and the reason I gave it one and a half is, is for similar reasons as to why you gave it one is it had a lot of good elements. It had like from the outside, before I started watching the movie, like I said before, it had pieces, all the pieces were there for the makings of a good movie. Yeah. And I, and I was anticipating it and I was looking forward to it. I thought, okay, you know, I, I haven't seen Kathleen Turner in a lot of stuff, so I can't say that I'm a huge fan of hers. Um, the times that I've seen William Hurt in a movie, Dark City, the um, Civil War, uh, Michael, you know, those movies, he's been fine. You know, he's, he's, not an, he's not one of my go-to actors that I always try to seek out. Um, Gina Davis, I always like her in a lot yeah. of her movies that she's been in that we've seen. And the whole idea of being a travel writer, I'm like, okay, well, good. We can, we can build some of that into it, like, I like those type of characters and it just, the movie did not even add up to the sum of its parts. Well, and I was wondering, I was waiting for like when he'd read excerpts from his book, I was waiting for it to somehow relate to the story. And I yeah. think I'm like, Oh man, maybe I missed it. 
or oh man, but did it at any point? Like I think there was once or maybe twice when he would read an excerpt and it was like, oh yeah, that kind of relates to what's going on or what he's dealing with or whatever. But yeah, I don't know. It it did. It did, but I think there were definitely times where it was a stretch. Okay. Or you really had to kind of sit there and think about it. Um, And just the way the movie was going, I really did not want to invest a whole lot of extra brain power um, in thinking about it. So the time in particular where I can remember that it really seemed to fit well was where he was talking about um, your luggage. And when when you pick up something extra on a trip, just be prepared that you're going to have to carry it with you if you buy something while you're on a trip and that's when he goes to help the little boy when he's been uh, bullied by the other kids and he kind of picks him up and they hold hands and walk down the street. Yeah. And that, you know, thinking about, you know, extra luggage and baggage and, you know, you're going to have to deal with something that maybe you didn't expect to have to deal with and it may weigh you down a little bit, but if you really want it, it's worth it. So that time, and, and I don't normally, I don't need those type of things to always be like right on the nose for me. But there were other times in this movie that I was listening to that voiceover narration, and I'm like, okay, this, I'm assuming this fits somehow with what we're feeling or seeing or part of the story. And and sometimes I was like, okay, all right, I get it. And other times I was like, okay. <laughs> I, yeah. I either don't get it or I don't care. Yeah, I so. um, or both. Yeah. I, I, I Again, I agree with everything you're saying. I mean, it just... I'm right in lockstep with everything he's saying. Yeah. Well, should we go to France? Let's go to France. Let's go to France. Um, so yeah, both, again, like I said, both of these movies go to France. So um, this one, though, we're going to time travel a little bit further back. Yeah, all right. So this one is called Dangerous Liaisons, and it was uh, came out the same month as the other movie. It came out 11th of December, 1988. Rated R with a runtime of one hour and 59 minutes. Uh, directed by Stephen Frears, who also did Philomena and The Queen. Uh, producers on this one were Norma Heyman, who did Mary Riley and Sister My Sister. Hank Moonjean, who died in 2012, did Stroker Ace and Cool Hand Luke. Stroker right? Ace. Oh, I, have not, I have not seen that one. I, I know, I recognize that name, but <laughs> I have not seen that one. All right, uh, just keep going. Okay, does that need to go on my watch list? Or? Yeah, just okay. read, read the... Uh, read the Read the plot of it and just make sure you're in the mood for it. I'll leave okay. it at Okay. All right. Uh, writers on this one, Christopher Hampton, who wrote the play and the screenplay. Uh, he also did Atonement and The Quiet American. And I I took French, and I can speak a little bit of French, but I'm going to mess up this name. Um, the man who wrote the novel, um, Chodoros de Leclos, I might have butchered that, but I'm not sure. Uh, wrote the original novel Les Liaisons Dangerous. Um, he died in 1803, so he hasn't made any other movies since then because he died before movies ever came out. Yeah. Uh, one thing I did not realize is, and I feel like I saw this movie maybe when it came out or close to that time, the 90s movie um, with Cher- uh, Sarah Michelle Gellar and, shoot, I forget who else is in that. Uh, it was called Cruel Intentions. Yeah. Yeah, it's the exact same story. Is it really? Yeah, both. They're both based off of the same book. Okay. So it's just like a modern retelling of this movie. Yeah. 
Uh, cinematography was done by Philippe Rousselot, who also did Interview with the Vampire and A River Runs Through It. And the music was done by George Fenton, who did Groundhog Day and Ever After. The budget for this one was $14 million. The box office was $34.7 million. Glenn Close played the Marquise de Matoy. Who, she was in The Natural and Fatal Attraction, uh, one of those other movies we really loved. Yeah. Uh, John Malkovich, just again, in the kitchen. We don't need to be anywhere near the sink. Yeah. Turn the water off. Yeah. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Thankfully, in this movie, they had no running water, so it wasn't an issue. Uh, John Malkovich played the Vicomte de Valmont. He was in, oddly enough, being John Malkovich and the Man in the Iron Mask. Michelle Pfeiffer played Madame de Tourville. Uh, she was in Dangerous Minds and Batman Returns. Swoozy Kurtz played Madame de Volange. She was in Wildcats and Liar Liar. Keanu Reeves played, whoa. Uh, he played Chevalier Donsony. He was in the Matrix movies. I know, Kung Fu. Uh, the John Wick movies and Speed. <laughs> Mildred Natwick, who died in 1994, played Madame de Rosamond. She was in The Trouble with Harry and Barefoot in the Park. Uh, Uma Thurman played Cecile de Volange. She was in Pulp Fiction and Kill Bill and was also in one of the movies we did just recently, The Adventures of Baron Munchausen. Okay. Uh, and then Peter Capaldi played Azalan. He was the Vicomte um, de Valmont. He was kind of his servant. And uh, he was, up until this year, he was the uh, actor who played Doctor Who. And he also played the voice of, I believe it was Rabbit, in the Christopher Robin movie. Oh, good for him. Uh, Rotten Tomatoes critics for this one. So here we go. Uh, critics gave this one a 93%. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. And the Rotten Tomatoes audience gave it an 83%. And folks who went to go see the movie as they left the theater gave it a B plus on cinema score. So averaging some of those scores together, uh, flick metrics, the average on that one gives it an 80 out of 100. Put that in your pipe and smoke it. There you go. Well, uh, get ready to smoke this. It won three Oscars <laughs> for best writing screenplay based on a material from another medium, uh, best art direction set decoration, and best costume design. I, you know what? Honestly, I think it could probably. Deserve, what was the first one it won for? Uh, best writing screenplay. Okay. So. So I think I don't have a problem with it winning those. No. Here, here's the deal. I don't have a problem with it necessarily winning those awards. Mm -hmm. I think my problem with this movie, and, and I'll just say this quick and then we'll talk more about it here in a minute. Um, I think my problem with this movie is I just don't. None of the characters are likable. Yeah. I think that's my problem. I don't think the movie is poorly written. Agreed. I think it's just not my kind of story. Yes. And definitely the art direction, the set decoration, the costume design, it, it deserves to win awards for all those things because the, the clothing and the sets and all those are beautiful sets. Um, and the acting, even the acting was great. Yeah. So I don't have anything against the acting. I don't really have anything against the story in terms of the quality of the writing. It's just not my kind of movie. Yeah. So... That's all I'm going to say about that for right now. We'll come back to that. But um, it was also nominated for Best Picture. Um, it was nominated for Best Actress in a Leading Role, Best Actress in a Supporting Role, and Best Music Original Score. So a quick summary of the movie. The Marquise de Matoy 
Glenn Close, and the Vicomte de Valmont, John Malkovich, display the petty jealousies and jaded insouciance of life in France's royal court in the 18th century, casually ruining the lives of de Mertoy's young romantic rival, Uma Thurman, the music teacher, Keanu Reeves, for whom she secretly pines, and the upstanding Madame de Tourville, Michelle Pfeiffer. But when actual romantic feelings begin to surface, their games take on a more treacherous air. Here's the trailer, and we'll be back in just a moment. I've always known I was born to dominate your sex and avenge my own. Is there anything I could do to help? Come back when you've succeeded with Madame de Torvel. Yes. And I will offer you a reward. My love. I have this appalling reputation. Yes, I have been warned about you. What is true of most men is doubly so of him. I can't. Love what you you promised yes, not to of speak course. of it. Yes, I understand, but I must know. I can't. I want the excitement of watching her betray everything that's most important to her. I love you so much. You may genuinely be unaware of this, but I can see quite plainly that you're in love with this woman. No, not at all. suppose we only feel compelled to chase the ones who run away immaturity all right so for this one got a couple of background things real quick um we were as the trailer was playing there we were talking just a second and you had asked what was best picture um mm -hmm. the year that this was up for all these different awards and we looked it up and it was rain man so we said obviously that you know rain man we feel is a good choice uh-huh so. yes um, okay, two things I have for this one. When the novel that this one uh, is based off of was first published in 1782, it was considered so scandalous that when Queen Marie Antoinette commissioned a copy for her personal library, she had to have it bound in a blank cover so that no one would recognize the author's name or the title of the book. So basically, is that like the first example of, you know, when you used to go into like the bookstores and they'd have the adult magazines that have the the... They have like a, a blank sheet of paper over the cover so you can't see the naked people. Yep, I think that's the plan. I, I think that's kind of like the first example of that happening. Um, Alan Rickman, amazing actor Alan Rickman, sadly no longer with us, um, made the role of Valmont famous in London and on Broadway on stage. However, filmmakers wanted to cast an established actor in the role. And at the time, Alan Rickman was not an established uh, film actor. Uh, so he was not even considered to be in the movie. And he ended up making his movie Hollywood uh, debut as Hans Gruber in Die Hard. Oh, perfect. Perfect. That which, which, which we're going to be watching in not too long. Yes. So, all right. That's the only background I got on this one. So, uh, I don't think either one of us, you had not seen this movie before. I, you, um, yes, I had. Oh, you had? I, okay. I, not the whole thing, but parts of it. I remember it came on at this, you know, somewhere it came on. I remember people talking about, yeah, it's. Kind of, it is what it is, and I, I remember I didn't watch it all the way through, and I was a kid, so if anything, I caught it, you know, on like TV or something like that, because I mean, yeah. I would have, you know, gotten permission to see this as a kid, but uh, it was like I just kind of remembered it being like, really, this this is what it's about, like people want to watch this, like 
really? Yeah. And then I, I only watched a couple of scenes. And then I watched it for the podcast. And as I was watching, I'm like, man, I was right. However many years ago that was, <laughs> I, you know, when I was a kid, I'm this, right. This is not worth watching. Yeah, this is really, this is, people are entertained by this, huh? Okay. Okay. Yeah. I, I, I kind of felt like this was going to be like the discussion on this one was going to be a quick one because yeah. like I said before, I don't have a problem with, uh, unlike the other movie, unlike mm -hmm. the accidental tourist, this movie I think it has all the pieces there to be a great movie. Yep. And if this is if this is your type of story, this this kind of we're going to manipulate people and ruin their lives for our personal gain and this very kind of Machiavellian attitude towards things, if that's what you enjoy, you will love this movie. Yep. If you enjoy that kind of like personal intrigue and revenge stuff and and you know these influential people using their power to ruin other people's lives. And if you enjoy that, you will enjoy this movie. Yes. I don't enjoy that. No. The closest I get with a, a good revenge movie and trying to ruin people's lives is the Count of Monte Cristo. Right. And maybe it's because that has sword fighting. Yeah. But you know, th well, this movie has sword fighting too, but it's a little different. Um, yeah. This one, it, it was another one that I thought, Hey, you know what? It, it might be, it might be one that my wife Sharon and I would enjoy watching together. Like we like period piece movies. We like some of the historical stuff because we love to see the costumes and we love to see just kind of the, you know, the the intrigue of the royal court and that kind of stuff. But just the quality is there. It's just not my kind of story. Yeah, I I completely agree with you. I I just. And I, I know, you know, the people can sit there and say, well, see, it's working. You're not supposed to like those people. And it's right. Like, yeah. So you're going to give me two hours of this. Right. I mean, okay. Right. Well, and, and it's one of those that I end up having no desire to ever go back and rewatch again. Right. Yeah. Completely, completely not. Now I, I will say, I don't know if, I don't know if she was starting to get typecast for this, but the first two movies that we've seen Uma Thurman in, um, she ends up with no clothes on. Yeah. In a lot of these movies. In in the Baron Munchausen one, which was a little strange because that's a kid's movie. Um, and then this one too. And and that that whole situation where you have John Malkovich's character, the Vicomte, and he is like he's seducing her basically to yeah. try to kind of ruin her life. Yeah. I don't know. I would be curious to know how an audience of 1988 would have reacted to all that. Yeah. Maybe it's just, maybe it's because it's 2018. Maybe it's because of like the Me Too movement and, and all of the stuff that's going on right now uh, with that. When you got to that scene and he, he I, for lack of a better term, he raped her. Yeah. Um, and then she goes the next day to talk to the other woman and the other woman just tells her, I know it's all part of their scheme, but the other woman just tells her, well, you know what? Use it, like use it as an education. Think of it as an education. Yeah. And I'm sitting there going, I, ugh. yeah, no, <laughs> I, <laughs> just, just gross. No, was was yeah. the best reaction I had to that. And and I again, I don't know if that's if I was if I was the same age now and watching it in 1988, would I have had that same reaction? I don't know. But I think given the current climate of things and, and you know, the, the way 
we've seen a lot of this stuff come to the front, all this just nasty stuff come to the front with how people are treated and um, particularly how women are treated and all of that. It just, that scene in particular made me really, really uneasy. Yeah. Like I, I felt like I need to go take a shower after that scene. Yeah. I, 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 yeah, I, I didn't, I don't want to watch a movie like that. Right. I mean, I don't want to bring it. And and this is one that I really, I don't care what century or what, whatever it, it means. That's yes. Yeah. I do get that out, and I can't get that back because that's what you call progress. And right. I don't want to get too, you know, soapbox, soapbox kind of thing. But when you see how women and have been treated in recent times and things that are, you know, suddenly it's okay to start talking this way. And I, I like I said, I, I, I want to keep it as apolitical as possible, but you right. read what you want. But when you see what we tolerate and people just, uh, eh, uh, I mean, it's like, I've got a daughter. And I should right. have, you know, she shouldn't have to get, grow up in a world where that's what is. Now, obviously, that was several hundred years ago. Yeah, that's fine. But then I, I don't want to see a movie with that kind of stuff in there. Right. And that was. And, and, not, that, and, and not that it excuses it, but it, it wasn't a, you know, in that scene, it wasn't a violent scene. Like, he wasn't being. Right. What's the right word? Um, you know, gratuitously violent in the way that he was trying to manipulate her into sleeping with him. Mm-hmm. But it was just that, just that kind of that manipulation that, well, but if you don't do this, then oh, there's ways that I can ruin your life. And right. it, well, I mean, it's that kind of stuff. And, and I don't want to make any kind of a statement to say that could be even worse because I don't really think it could be, but it just, that didn't help. Like even if it had been a violent scene, that would have been horrible. And, and this one seemed as horrible in, in just a different way. Yeah. Well, it didn't have the shocking visuals, but I mean, what what you're seeing is, well, again, look at some of these scandals that have been flagging uh, various religious institutions and that kind of stuff. Right. And I mean, it's like, that's how those things happen. I mean, it becomes this systematic, kind of thing where, you know, the person that's in power, I don't know what the right terminology is, is lords it over someone or uses it to control someone or uses it to, hey, well, you know, you kind of have to go along with this. So sure, there's nothing, you know, no one beating on someone or hammering on someone or, you know, but the fact is what you're seeing happen there is where, you know, someone is being groomed to be, um, molested like that right yeah that's that's really disturbing i mean you know that's and whether it's for a bet or whether because you're a sociopath to me is really immaterial i mean it it's just a very disturbing thing so i mean granted yeah okay well that's what the move that's the reaction they wanted you to have or maybe they're going to show us what was like okay yeah but i'm just not going to choose to like be you know quote unquote entertained by it i'll read that in a book and you know, move on in five minutes, but yeah, that was, that was very disturbing. And I wonder if, because there's, there's a, there's at times in literature where you have characters that are in these situations and even older literature that you have characters that are put in these situations and 
they don't even treat it like it's a big deal. And then you've also got characters that are like Michelle Pfeiffer's character in this movie. And she, she bothered me. Like her character really bothered me. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if it's because, and, and again, I'm, I'm trying to separate it in my mind and, and see where this is coming from, but I don't know if it's because, is it because we live in 2018 and we are either used to, or, or people are demanding more um, strong, independent female characters in movies and TV shows that when you have a character like Michelle Pfeiffer's character, Michelle Pfeiffer, amazing actress, Mm-hmm. But when you have a character like the one that she played in this movie, who she's putting up a fight and she's, no, I'm, I don't, I'm not going to fall in love with you. I'm not going to fall. And then he manipulates her to the point where she has to be in love with him okay. to the point, to the point where it makes her physically ill not to be right. in love with it. And then she's, you know, swooning this way and that. And when he says he's going to leave her, then she freaks out. And, and I'm, and I'm just watching this. I'm just going the, the wishy-washiness. <laughs> for maybe yeah. lack of a better term, the weakness of this character is bothering me. It's not to say that I'm, I'm not saying that it was not well written. I'm saying just the, the personality, the, I, I'm, I'm, I'm not thinking of the word I want to think of. It bothers me. It just, she's that character's driving me nuts. I just, I want the movie to be over. So I don't have to watch her do this back and forth of, no, I, I don't want to fall in love with you. I'm not going to fall in love with you, but, oh, but now I must be in love with you. Oh, you're not in love with me, but I must be with you because this is the, and, and I know that there's older literature that that's the way the characters are. It's, it's very much a back and forth of, I love you. Now I don't, now I do. Now I must be with you and, and all that. But it just it just reached a point in this movie where it's like, oh, just just let this be done. Yep. Let it be done. <laughs> agreed. One hundred percent agreed. Now I will say, John Malkovich. I have not seen a lot of John Malkovich's movies, um, but that man is hilarious. Yeah. Hilarious. That was the that was probably the most entertaining thing about this movie was okay. scenes where he would and, and you know that this is a movie that they were filming to be a, a serious drama but there are scenes where he will walk th- there were a couple in particular like he'd walk through a doorway and all of a sudden while the two characters are talking in the foreground you see him like walking backwards through the same doorway right and just like doing some goofy stuff like that and that part was kind of entertaining i'm like okay well i, I know of him as sometimes being a little bit of a you know off the wall quirky you know kind of actor even though he may play very serious roles Stuff like that, that was kind of entertaining to see some of the quirkiness come out uh, in his character. Just this character who felt like he, you know, his his stuff didn't stink and he could not be touched because he's just so amazing at what he does. Uh, basically, he's the Wolverine of uh, French lover boys. Yeah. Um, he, he's the best at what he does. And, you know, so that part of it, getting to see his character and his almost just and not not goofy confidence but just a kind of a i am so good no one can no one will ever beat me i'm invincible just kind of right. that. and the way he played that out in his character and the quirky little goofy things that he did to manipulate different people when it was little manipulations like that totally fine that i was fine with when it got into the more severe like we're going to ruin people's lives by doing this kind of stuff that was when i checked out right right 
And I mean, it, yeah, I, I just, like you said, there wasn't a good person. And that's, that's what I need when I'm being, when I want to be entertained, you know, I, I, I need the good guy to root for. I need the, the thing to latch on to. I mean, in many ways, that's kind of like the sons of anarchy show. Mm-hmm. Like people have always, Oh, you got to check it out. And that's something else. Okay. The acting's great. The writing's great and everything, but it's just like, I can't, I can't la- like, who's the good guy that I'm supposed to latch onto? I mean, I right. like, yeah. Yeah. We have a, we have a show we're watching on Netflix right now called travelers. Uh-huh. Have you seen that one? No, but you've told me about this. One. Oh, I told you about it. Um, so the main actor was, uh, Will from Will and Grace. Okay. And, um, uh, Trying to think if there's a couple of other actors, maybe a couple of other actors in it that have been in other things, but they're not they're not all real big name actors. Um, the basic premise is they are a team of time travelers that have come back in time to save the future. Okay. By affecting things that happened in the past, and at different times, as you meet these different characters, you're like, hey, oh, that, those they're kind of that's kind of a cool character. That's kind of. But as they go along and do different things, like they end up, each of them ends up having to do some different things that compromise morals just a little bit and you you end up seeing each of these characters in a light where you're like oh well i I liked that character up until they did that Mm -hmm. and it's not that it makes you want to stop watching the show but it's just like you know every single one of your characters at some point is getting a little bit tainted but there's still no matter no matter what the other characters do or or if they're tainted in a way so that they're not necessarily that you know pure good guy you're looking for there is one character, he, he's not a time traveler, and he, he has fallen in love with one of the time travelers, but he has no idea that okay. these people are time travelers. Um, he's like a social worker, and he's kind of like a, he's kind of like a quirky, um, you know, he's a little bit of like the comic relief in the show. Right. And he's just like, we've said as we were watching this movie, we feel like he's us. Like, if we were put in this situation we'd kind of like joke and, 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 you know, make comments and try to figure out what's going on around us. But it's just like, well, whatever, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna do what I do. Cause all this weird stuff is happening around me and I'm, I'm just watching this all happen. And so like they, they still have that one character that we can kind of latch onto and be like, okay, right. even if I can't root for all of you other people, because you've done bad things, I've got this guy. And if you ever get rid of this guy from this show, I, I don't know what's going to happen. And with this movie, I was like, there is not no one. There's, there's not anybody that I feel like I can root for in this movie. Right. I agree. Um, I agree. All right. Um, well, so let's see. It was, it was, it was France uh, in the uh, 18th century. And I believe one of the deleted scenes in this movie was at the very end. Um, Glenn Close's character was actually going to be sitting in front of a guillotine. So because of the uh, crimes that she committed and the ruined lives that she caused the uh, deleted scene at the end of the movie was going to be that she was going to be executed uh, because her, her letters got out eventually and she was shunned by everyone in society. And so deleted scene was that she was going to be put in front of the guillotine. So um, out of five, how many decapitated French heads would you give this movie? Is five like, I like this movie or Five is five is this is the this is the greatest piece of cinematic work you've ever seen. So like five, not in the sense that like I wanted to decapitate five people. Correct. These are just these are just the decapitated heads that are being used as our measurement. Well, again, we're on we're onto the conundrum here. You know, I mean, 
for me personally, and I you mean, feel feel free to chop ahead in half if you need to. Yeah, I I mean, like, I'll just go with the same with the other one. Like one, because okay. it's like okay, I mean, the acting and blah 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 blah, all the things it got awards for. Yeah, it deserved it. But this movie, it wasn't even like yeah, I like to watch it because there's that you know. No, I just this was just not made for me. So I suppose someone could call shenanigans and say, well, you got to give it more because just because it's not made for you. Well, yeah, I, I don't know. But, you know, they deserve the Oscars it got and the, 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 the actors and actresses sure did a great job. And, but ugh, I just, why make this movie? Like, I don't, what? Yeah, not my deal. So yeah. one, I'll give it yeah. a head. Okay. All right. Um, I'm going to give it a two and a half. And I'm uh, the reason I'm gonna give it a two and a half is just because, like I said before, it it has the elements of mm-hmm. the things that would make a good movie, of the things that I would enjoy seeing in a movie. And unlike you know our, our first movie we talked about, the accidental tourist, I felt that the writing completely fell apart. I felt the acting was very stunted in that one. Um, this one I did not have the same problems. With this one, I could at least I could at least watch the movie. The other one, I was just waiting for it to be over. Okay. This movie, I could at least watch it. I was enjoying the acting. John Malkovich was great in it. Um, you know, I give this one a little bit more just because I felt the quality of the movie was there. My enjoyment of it is the reason why it's not much. I, I was back and forth on whether to give it a two and a half or a three. Okay. So, my enjoyment of it, and I, and I might I might switch to a three, but I don't know. But my enjoyment of it just has to do with the with the situations that the characters, the degree to which the characters took the manipulation and the ruining of lives and things like that. That's what I had a problem with. Got it. Otherwise, the quality of the writing, the quality of the directing, the quality of the acting, uh, the music, the set pieces, the cinematography, the all that stuff. Um, you know, I was entertained by this movie. But the story is not a story. Certain points about the story, the, the, the degree to which they took it, is not something that I tend to enjoy as much. Yeah. So okay. I think, I actually, I'm going to switch. I'm going to give it a three. All right. Well, you convince me, man. I'll, I'll, I'll bring mine up to two. <laughs> okay. Well, are are you... we at a four or are we at a five? We're at a five. I'll go two and a half. Okay. I'll go two and a half. Yeah. I'll, 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 I'll move you. Yeah. You don't, I'm, I'm not. What, I'm not. I'm not. Good points. Hey, I'm, I'm not Russia. I'm not trying to change your vote. No, I know. Well, <laughs> technically, though, you know, I don't know. I was going to go for something deep. Now. <laughs> that was well played. But no, but you know what? Honestly, as you're speaking, it's like, yeah, I got to be more nuanced than just, I love it. Everything deserves a five. And that was crap. Everything deserves a half. You know, I, you're right. Everything that you said, you, you, you know, you're right with that. It's, it, there's a lot of really great, well put together. And, and again, I'm just reminded of people talking about like the Sons of Anarchy when I watch that. And people saying, yeah, but Pat, you got it. Oh, man, it's so well done. Oh, it's so compelling. And it's so, mm-hmm. yeah, it's just. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're right. You're right. It, so I'd say, yeah, two and a half. Okay. Yeah, I'll go yeah. with that. Yeah, definitely, definitely two and a half. Yeah. Definitely, definitely two and a half. Uh, 46 toothpicks 46 toothpicks um i was struck you know you mentioned the guillotine i was struck depending on the time i'm like well i'll tell you after watching if this is what the leadership and high society and the the wealthy parts of 
you know, France were doing, no wonder the terror came and like everyone started <laughs> getting headed, you know? Uh-huh. Yeah. Some might have, some may have deserved it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. All right. Well, I think that's going to do it for our two movies tonight uh, for The Accidental Tourist and Dangerous Liaisons. Um, if you enjoyed these movies, we would love to hear from you because sometimes we get on here and we talk and we might have the, you know, the two of us might have the same opinion uh, on a movie that we either both really like it or we both don't like it. Um, and we may be sitting here going, oh, man, how could anybody ever possibly like this movie? But there are people who love this movie. And if you are one of those people who enjoyed either of these movies and you totally disagree with the stuff that we've said, we would love to hear from you. Um, and I'm not saying that in a sarcastic way at all. We would love to hear, you know, we, we try as much as we can on our show. We know there's a lot of negativity out there. So we try to balance. If we don't like something, we try to be reasonable about it. Mm -hmm. You know, we try to not just be like, Oh, this sucks. We hate it. Blah, 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 blah. You know, we don't do that kind of stuff. We, you know, we, we always try to, I think we, I think I can speak for all of us and say we try to look for the good. Yes. You know, unless you're Dennis and it's Howard the Duck. We try to look for the good in a movie. Right. And it's like, it's sometimes like, like I'm thinking back to my score and what I said about this movie. And I probably came in with, ah, like that. But, you know, I, I try to listen to your points and what you say and, and, and everyone. And, and I think we try to be drawn into the, yeah, okay, I can see where someone's coming from when they like this. And right. so on and so forth. I. So, so yeah, so if you do, if you do enjoy either of these movies and you disagree with anything we've said, we'd love to hear from you because that's, that's just part of the discussion and part of the dialogue back and forth. And, um, but yes, we'd totally love to hear from you. So if you want to get in touch with us, you can go to our website, 30podcast.com. That's going to be the place where you can find our email, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, um, our voicemail line, if you want to call in, uh, it goes straight to voicemail. So don't worry that you're going to have one of us pick up the phone and, and you'll have to talk to us live because that's not going to happen. So if you want to do that, we'd love to uh, play that back on the show and, and comment on it and, um, you know, have a have a little bit more of a dialogue as opposed to you just listening to us uh, each time you listen to the show. So definitely, definitely, um, we would love to hear from you if you if you have some thoughts on these. Those are all the places you can find us. You can find our podcast in all the different places that you can find podcasts, uh, Stitcher, Satchel, Google Play, iTunes. You can listen just directly on our website, but all those different places, good places to find us. We do interact a lot on Twitter. So if you are active on Twitter, please follow us um, and please reach out and, and uh, feel free to tell us 80s movies that you love. And especially as we're nearing the end of 88, we're looking ahead to 1989. And um, I'm trying to decide what to do with our 1989 movies okay. because in the, in the little tiny pockets of free time that I had this summer, I've started to make a list of the movies that we could do for next year for 1989. Yeah. And it's, it would take like two. It would take like two years to do all of the movies that I've listed. There's like eighty some movies I think that I've put out on this list. So I'm going to share it with you guys, all the the hosts of the show. Um, I'm going to share it with you guys, let you kind of look through and see, you know, which ones you guys be interested in doing. I'm also thinking of putting it out there to the listeners, sure, and saying, hey, would would you guys? Is there anything that we've missed? that you would like to hear because um, Jason Colvin, who keeps uh, writing into us and interacting with us on Twitter, um, he's written a couple times. He's like, Oh, I, I would really be looking forward to it. If you guys did this movie and I, I would look at it and I go, Oh, well, two of the three that he mentioned are on our list to do this year, but I don't know that I even considered the third one. So um, yeah, definitely. If, if we put out that list, we would love to hear from you, the listener on what stuff would you like to hear, uh, hear us talk about, I'm also considering because it's our last year of the eighties, which seems really weird to say. 
Mm -hmm. Uh, It'll be our last year of the 80s movies before we move on into the 90s movies. I'm also considering doing some episodes where we kind of go back and cover some movies that maybe we didn't cover because when we started our podcast, we were starting it in 2015 Mm -hmm. and we were doing movies from 1984 and 1985. So we've missed a bunch of movies from, if we start in the 80s, we've missed a bunch of movies from 80 to 83. Yes. So I'm kind of thinking maybe we should do some episodes of like, sure. let's go back and look at some 80s movies that maybe we didn't get to um, throughout the rest of our, our other 200 and some odd episodes. Um, so I'm going to start to throw some of that out there as, as we get. And I know we're only like halfway through this year, but I like to think ahead. I like to plan ahead. So right. So we're doing that. And maybe with some of the movies too, I mean, it might be an editing nightmare. And I know we tried this, but maybe some of them should be like this, you know, like just do two movies that somehow relate or have a common thread or something. And, mm-hmm. you know, we can kind of talk about them both and the similarities. And maybe if they're like this, where it's, it's, there's not much to talk about, we can kind of use them as a jumping platform for something else. I mean, that might be a way to sneak some in there. Right. Right. So, yeah, so we'll, we'll throw those out there and we'll, we'll see, uh, we'll, we'll try to get some feedback from everybody. Um, coming up soon though. So this is the end of our kind of like our critically acclaimed, uh, month of movies. And next time we are jumping on into, cause it's already going to be September. I really, mm-hmm. really don't know how we got there all, all of a sudden. Um, but next time, September, our month of September is called, uh, I've, I've kind of given a theme to each of our months and September is called those crazy kids. So in September, we're going to have uh, movies that tend to lean a little bit on the younger side, or at least for the characters, uh, lean a little bit on the younger side. And when I say younger, I mean mostly like high school. Okay. Um, so our movies, high school or college, our movies for September are going to be Mystic Pizza. Okay. Heathers. Okay. Uh, Stand and Deliver. Oh, that's a good one. Great movie. Uh, And we're going to finish it off with not an 80s movie, but this one is reaching its 40th anniversary. So we're going to finish the month of September off with Animal House. Cool. Well played. I I am looking forward to it. It's been a few years. I used to watch that movie many, many times a year. Um, And it's been a little while since I've watched it. Now, I probably have the whole thing memorized. So it's like one of those. Okay. Yeah, I did have, um, I think I told you the other day when we were having our, it was yesterday when we had our first day of school, Mm -hmm. I have a, I have a little notepad on my phone that has some speeches just ready to go. I'm like, you know what, if, if they ever, if for some reason in the opening speaker for our school district ever like, you know, passes out and they need somebody to just get up and give a speech. I have a whole bunch of movie speeches that I keep in a little notepad on my phone. And, uh, one of them was the animal house speech. <laughs> yeah. The, the one uh, D day starts at wars over, man. Warmer dropped the big one. What over? Did you say over? Nothing is over until we decide it is. Was it over when the Germans bombed Pearl Harbor? Hell no. He goes through that whole scene. Um, yeah. which I kind of feel like I, I just play that in my head from time to time. I'm like, Oh man, this is this it's over. Right. Whatever it is, it's over. Over? Was it over when the Germans bombed Pearl Harbor? <laughs> um, Germans? Forget it. He's rolling. Exactly rolling. Uh, yeah. Okay. So we're going to end September with Animal House. So that'll be a 40th anniversary one. And then October, your favorite month of the year. Yep. Here we go. Like, 
So, you know, steal yourself now for October. Um, mm-hmm. October is when we usually do our scary movies. So the October mm-hmm. month is the your body starts to shiver month. Um, and this time around, we've actually, we've got a bunch of movies. I, October must have, I think October's got five weeks in it because I've got a bunch of movies in here um, that we're going to try to get to. And it's kind of a different mixture this time around. Instead of oh. being a bunch of 80s movies, there's actually several um, older horror movies that are reaching big anniversaries. Oh, fun. So instead we're going to have, um, let's see, we've got, Oh, I had my list right here and then it disappeared. Okay. Um, starting off the month of October, we've got the blob. Okay. And, uh, we're going to be talking about this. So this will be one of the times that we do two movies at the same time. Um, it'll be the blob and, uh, the 1958 version and the 1988 version. Oh, cool. So 58 is re- reaching its 60th anniversary and 88 is reaching its 30th anniversary. So, um, so we'll watch both of those. We'll talk about those. Cool. And then the next movie after that is pumpkin head. Okay. So I have never seen that one before. I remember, I think I've seen just bits and pieces of it. And I, I vividly remember the VHS cover, um, seeing it in the video stores and always thinking, you know, always thinking like, wow, I, if I want to sit and watch a scary movie, that looks like a good one. But I just never, for some reason or another, never watched it. Never, never uh, pulled the trigger on that. Nope, never did. Um, and then, so here's one, and this may be uh, short of when we did our Casablanca episode. Um, okay. This may be one of our older movies that we will have done, but reaching its 70th, 70th anniversary this year is Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein. Cool. So we got to do that one. Have you ever seen that one? No, but that's uh, one of the ones that everyone says, oh, you got to see. So it'll yes. be fun to check that out. Yes. And even, um, I don't know if, if Dominic, if, I don't know if you think he would like some of those like old black and white, like the Dracula and Frankenstein and Wolfman and things like that. I don't, I don't know if that's something that necessarily he'd be into. Um, okay. but I remember I did show Abbott Costello meet Frankenstein to both of my kids. Actually, Nora saw it too, um, a couple of years ago. So I think she was even like five or six at the time and cool. they both, they, they thought it was hilarious. Awesome. Both okay. loved it. So, um, and I remember watching that as a kid too. So I was pretty young when I saw that. If we can make it, if we're able to, I and mean, we're getting right in the swing of school things, um, Venom comes out in October. Oof. So I'm yep. hoping, hoping maybe we can do one of those where we go see it and then we do a podcast right after. Mm-hmm. Um, so we'll see if we can, we can kind of square that away somehow. Um, one of the ones that I've been waiting to, cause I have not seen this movie in its entirety, but the parts that I have seen are just, I love it and it's hilarious. Um, and given the current political climate, you see a lot of memes online that, that come from this movie. Um, they live. Okay. So that's the one where the, it's Rowdy Roddy Piper from the WWF. Yeah. And he has a special set of glasses that allow him to see these aliens that have invaded the earth and they look like us, but the glasses allow him to see uh, exactly what they look like. And he knows who's an alien and who's not. It's uh, the, one of the little sound bites at the beginning of each of our episodes where the guy says, I've come here to chew bubble gum and kick. Is that, is that from that? That's from that. Cool. I'm all out of bubble gum. Sounds like October's a jam-packed month of fun. Well, yeah, and then we finish it with, originally, we're going to finish it with Return of the Living Dead 2, um, which came out in 88, and Night of the Living Dead, the original, which came out in 1968, because that would be reaching a uh, 50th anniversary this year. I'm having a really hard time finding a copy of Return of the Living Dead 2. 
So if I can't find that one, then we might just do Night of the Living Dead and do a, a 50th anniversary thing for it, but right. we'll see what happens. Um, I think yeah. I was all confused, because we saw, what was the the dead movie we saw where they were in the air, the base? We saw, uh, was that Day of the Dead or Dawn of the Dead? But that's not the same like series as the Night of the Living Dead. No. Okay. That's different. Got it. Yeah. The titles so, are so, so I get confused. There's a lot of Living Dead out there, but yeah. Okay, yeah. yeah. Um, yep, so that's going to be September, October. If you're looking way, way ahead and you want to get started on watching some of these other movies, November is our Young and Guns movie. Um, it's going to be Young Einstein, The Naked Gun, and Young Guns. Well played. So it's either Young and Guns or Young Guns. Um, and then December is Yippee Kaye, Merry Christmas. <laughs> I'll give you one guess what movie we're going to watch that month. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, so uh, in the month of December, we've got Scrooged. We have Ernest Saves Christmas. We have Die Hard. And if we're able to, we're going to finish off the year with uh, a review of Aquaman because it comes out, I believe, in the middle of December. How exciting. So so that's the rest of our year. So if you want to get a head start on watching some of these movies, like I said, coming up immediately uh, in the next few weeks after this are Mystic Pizza, Heather's, Stand and Deliver, and Animal House. And then uh, I'll, and I'll post these up on our website, too, so you can see them. But just if you want to get a head start on watching some of these um, and that takes us through to the end of the year. If there's any movie that you, that we have not done from 1988 that you just would really, really love to hear us talk about, let us know because we can be very flexible with this. And if, if one thing falls through, you know, if we're not able to go see Venom, um, then obviously we can throw something else in there, but let us know uh, because we would be, we'd be happy to take a, a look at another movie if you've got one that we are not planning on covering, but you're just like, nope, it's one of the best movies ever. You guys got to watch it. So uh, we would love to hear from you if that's the case. Yeah. All right. Well, Pat, I think that's going to do it for us. I think it'll do it for us, John. We got first day of school tomorrow. Kids are coming. Kids are coming. Exciting so. time. All right, so I think we probably need to get some sleep now. So um, wouldn't do any good for us to be the living dead showing up at school in the morning with all the kids coming in. Yes, that would be bad. So, all right. Well, again, thank you all for joining us. Thanks for being here, Pat. Thank you, John. And uh, be excellent to each other and go watch some good movies, and we'll see you all back here next time. See ya.